Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. We're going to change your idea of what God is like. We're used to, especially from our childhoods, the the religions maybe in which we were brought up initially, used to thinking of God in certain ways. And today I'm going to put that into uh, certainly relief and maybe ask you to question it. Where I want to start, though, is a reading. We're back to basics. We're going to be using the Science of Mind textbook for the next four weeks. We're going to cover the first four chapters in here. Someone in my membership class asked me uh, if there was any particular dogma to Well, actually, I think she used a nicer word than that. That was my, that was my interpretation. And I said, you know, if you hang around for just a few weeks, you're going to learn exactly what we believe. And then it's up to you whether you, uh, whether you agree or not. Uh, but I want to read the foreword to the Science of Mind textbook that we're going to be using this month. The foreword from Jean Houston. She said, this is a book for the ages. It contains the distilled wisdom of many eras, many cultures, and one great soul. To read it is to be charged, to enter into partnership with God, to relearn the laws of co-creation, It is perhaps one of the most potent and influential books of the 20th century, yet it appears in no compendium of great books. Its words have inspired millions of people and seeded the growth of spiritually innovative churches and philosophies, and yet no universities place it in its curriculum. Perhaps this is as it should be, for it is sometimes the hidden masterpiece which must be discovered only when one is ready to enter upon the larger life. So are you ready for the larger life? (laughs) All right, we'll give it a go today. Another place I want to start is with a joke. And and I think it fits in pretty good here. A Sunday school teacher handed out a variety of art supplies and invited the kids to create something. As she went around the room, she noticed one boy was uh, doing something interesting, making a sketch. She asked about it, and he answered promptly, and with some pride, I'm drawing a picture of God. Wow, said the teacher. You know, that's kind of a tall order. God is infinite. God is in and as everything and everybody. Uh, it, It can't be pinned down or defined or measured or objectified. Why, really, no one knows exactly what God looks like. Well, the little boy replied with some consternation, they will soon enough. (laughs) So what's your idea of God? You know, there are so many. If you cover the world's religions, uh, of course there's all the traditions that go with the world's religions, but but I think that so many of them came about or, or were fostered by the idea of God itself in the beginning. And if you get a picture in your own mind of what God is, then I think the, the ways that we approach God, the, some of the ideas of either worship or communication, those kinds of things start making more sense once we realize the picture of God. And I'm here initially to tell you And I know this just sounds backwards as heck, but what God isn't. And the reason I picked that particular joke is they're right off the bat asking you to rethink what you've always thought about God. 
So one of the myths I want to dispel, or one of the things I want to challenge you on, how many people were raised in some degree or another to think that God is a guy in the sky on a golden throne who's kind of peering down at you to see if you've been naughty or nice. And, ba- and, based, and based on the naughty or nice, right, uh, punishments or rewards would follow. Yeah, that's so not what we believe. And I, and I really want to spend a couple moments with that because that is so ingrained into American thought that I swear we could spend almost the rest of our life undoing that because it creeps into society, it creeps into the world and in so many strange and, and interesting ways. First of all, we don't believe that God is a guy. And one of the reasons that I love Dishwalla is uh, they thought they would just uh, reverse it. Let's make it a woman. Give, give the divine feminine a chance, right? So God doesn't have a sex. God is just God. And in fact, the beginning chapter of the science of mind calls it the thing itself. And it refers to it in most of the chapter as it with a capital I. The thing itself. And I sort of like that. It, it does two things. One, it, it reminds us this is not a, a judging father figure in the sky, right? Our, our father who art in heaven, I love the poetry of it, but it makes us think of that father figure. And I don't know about you, but father was the disciplinarian when I was growing up. And that idea of the vengeful or, or controlling male figure as a as the divinity, I'm not buying that. And so whether you would rather think of it as a more uh, feminine aspect, or if like Ernest Holmes, you want to think of it as just it, I think that's preferable to that guy in the sky. The other thing about the guy in the sky is kind of distant up there, right? Now, I'm not sure what cloud he actually sits on, but I haven't seen him on any of the clouds that go by my house. And so the idea of that kind of God puts him way out there somewhere, almost as though God created the heavens and the earth and then stepped way back. Like, I can be as far away from this mess as I want, and still get my business done, right? Well, I want to dispel that entirely as well. God created the heavens and the earth and just kept on creating. The divine is still here among us. The the changes, the world unfolding is still part of the divinity. Every person, every place, everything, every situation, as difficult some days as it is to see God in it, is nonetheless divine. And that's one of the defining parts of the science of my philosophy, is that God is all there is, no exceptions. There's no, no little part that's Uh, ruled by a devil. There's no separateness. Well, these are the good people and those are the bad people. In fact, that whole idea of the chosen ones, the chosen people, right? Hasn't that got us into a lot of trouble over the years, right? Whether it's the Christians believing that or the Muslims believing that, that whole idea that there is a chosen people 
who have the answer and the approach to, to that guy and this guy and everybody else's chop liver. No, of course, each one of us, divinely inspired, divinely created in complete equality. Now, some of you by now are saying, well, this is a rosy picture of, uh, of the divine, Larry. I remember some of those old I Love Lucy episodes where, where she would say, Ricky, you got some splaining to do. So, Larry, how do you explain things like World War II? How do you explain some of the trouble in the world if everything is God and God is good? Well, the other thing that we believe in really strongly is free will. The, the main gift of, if you will, that we were given as uh, spiritual beings is the same gift that God itself has to be free in its thoughts, in its actions, and in its beliefs. And this is a, a freedom given without any strings attached. Now, it sounds like a great gift, and yet do we not make mistakes sometimes? See, here's the trouble with free will. We can be free to have a wonderful life and create a heaven here on this earth, and we can make mistakes through our choices, through our freedom, that not only harm ourselves, but cause other people to be harmed as well. And it isn't that there's any less God involved, right? It's simply that we get to choose. And this uh, actually leads me to another thought that I want to really dispel here. And this one gets science of mind people in trouble sometimes. And it's the idea that God has a plan for you somehow. That if only you were smart enough or if only you meditated enough, if only you were spiritual enough, you would discover that your divine purpose set up by God in some former life is to do blah, 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 or to be blah, 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 blah. Now, I don't want to knock divine inspiration because that's totally real, but there's no plan for you. You have divine freedom. Now, some things may seem more natural. Some things may seem more like your gift. And of course, I say, go with that. You know, that's, that is God speaking to you. Here is something you want to you wanna try it out. You want to give it a go. Some of us have gifts. And of course, it's, a, it's lovely when we get to explore them. But it's up to you. There's no plan. And there's no punishment for following a plan that doesn't exist, right? which is the last thing that I want to talk about. There is simply no such thing as divine punishment. There's no hell. There's no sin. There's only doing something that perhaps causes trouble. So all of the, the so-called sins of the world, I would say, think of them as mistakes. Think of them as us using our free will in ways that are perhaps not very productive. One thing I know with free will, it, it's a bit of a learning experience. Not that God ordains we have lessons to learn, but just in our own spiritual evolution of, of seeing how strong we are spiritually and, and that we do have uh, choices, complete choices to make, of course, now and then we make bad ones. 
Now you might say, well, well, what about this idea of karma? And that is something we do believe in here. We don't necessarily call it karma. Ernest Holmes refers to it more often as cause and effect. And it's a, a real simple thing. And it's not punishments. It's simply that the more negative energy you put out in the world, expect it to be reflected back to you by, by the people and the organizations close to you, right? If you're hostile, if you're angry, if you make bad decisions, if you do things that affect other people in a negative way, I got to tell you, you'll see that reflection right back to you. You don't have to wait for some subsequent lifetime even, right? It'll probably happen the same day or shortly after. That's what in the science of mind we call cause and effect. And it isn't God punishing anyone. It's simply the result, the natural result of doing things that are either loving and positive, you'll see that reflected back to you, or things that are negative and disrupting, and then you'll see that reflected back to you as well. Actually, we're going to talk about cause and effect for, oh, probably 20, 25 minutes uh, Sunday after this coming Sunday. So I'm going to save a little more energy for that. The next question that I'll get sometimes is, why is this idea, this picture of God, this way of thinking of God as all there is, why is it important? I think it's important because as we define God, so we define ourselves. If we think of ourselves as separate in the same way that some of us as children thought of God as separate, then we've got to get all this done ourselves. We've got to figure it out. It's us against the world. It's, it's the law of aggression. It's competition for resources. If we think of God, though, as present everywhere, that includes us. We're not exempt from that. And so the spark of divinity is in everything and everyone. Then it's about collaboration, right? It's God helping God. It's God listening to God. And any of the things that stand in the way of that, we're really denying the spiritual nature of whatever it is. So many of you are aware that we're around uh, social justice here, for instance. It isn't because we think we'll be punished or it's the right thing to do, although it is the right thing to do, but it's because it's God treating God in a way that is appropriate. When any group of people or even individuals are treated as less than, what we're saying is that a part of God is less than. What we're saying is that a part of us is less than. You know, we, we display the major religious symbols of the world up here, not because we teach what we teach that is the same, because it's not, but we honor all paths to God. We're not the chosen people. Everyone has the right to approach God the way they want to approach God. Everybody has that free will, and that includes their idea of God and their idea of the afterlife and so on. So everyone is welcome here. Everyone is welcome because everyone is part of the divine. And that's why we're so keen on helping people. That's why we do food drives. That's why we do, uh, do so many other things and have community partners out there. Everyone can use a hand because it is God helping God. 
Next week we're going to talk, in fact, about how God gets God's work done in the world. And I'll tip you off in the world of humans. God gets God's work done in the world through humans. <laughs> Where I want to close today is with some homework for you. So I hope you don't mind a bit of homework. The homework is, I want you to be that child in youth church who was given some artistic utensils and asked to draw a picture of God. Now, you don't have to do it with your art supplies. You don't have to get the, the crayons out. You can do it in words if you want. But I would like you all this week to write out, draw out, picture in your mind, if you will, what your idea of God is. The reason I'm doing this is because it will, I think, put into some relief the idea of maybe it's time to upgrade that vision. Do you still have remnants left of that guy in the sky pulling some kind of puppet strings? Do you still have that sense of the benevolent father, but nonetheless, father? Do you still have pictures of needing to do the right thing because there will be rewards or punishments later? You see, all of these things are tied, I believe, into our picture of the divine. And I challenge you even, maybe we won't call it God. Maybe we'll call it the thing itself. Uh, maybe we'll call it a spirit, right? When you're thinking of this, really picture in your own mind what it is that is that divinity that lives both within you and outside of you equally. That picture of the thing itself. I'm going to close today with a quote from our book here. So he says, this is the thing itself. Briefly, let us recapitulate. There is that within every individual which partakes of the nature of the universal wholeness and, insofar as it operates, is a complete part of God. There is that within us which partakes of the nature of this divine being, and since it partakes of the nature, we are divine. That mind which we discover within us is part of the mind that governs everything. This, this is the thing itself. And we can now begin to recognize its power and its simplicity. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence, one life and one goodness, one joy, one peace, one happiness. It is this thing that I call God, and we are all a part of it. God's love is my love. God, a joy is my joy. God's abundance is my abundance. All that we think of on high is also part of me because I am part of it. I truly made in God's image. And as it is true for me, it is true for everyone within the hearing of my voice. Everyone equally made in that sense of goodness, made out of God's stuff, and out of God's image. Not that God looks like us, but we are a reflection of the divine with free will, with the ability to choose, to make our own path, to have our own ideas, and to reflect out in the world our divinity. This is the truth of who we are as divine beings having a physical experience. 
And so for this week and beyond, I know we begin to question some of those old ideas of God, those ideas that allow us to think of ourselves somehow as separate or better than or, or less than, and instead knowing that each is divine, each of us made completely out of God. And so for this, I give great thanks. I give thanks for this new picture of God. I give thanks for this new impression of the divine. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.